It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. It's 7.07 on a Saturday morning, 72 degrees outside. This is Lawn and Garden. Walter Reeves, the Georgia Gardener, here to help you be more successful in your garden. And by the way, I should announce this. One of the things that you get as a perk, I guess you would say, for the email newsletter that I put out every other Thursday is you, in the newsletter, if I'm going to announce something that's coming up, I'll usually tell it in the newsletter first before I announce it on the air on Saturday mornings. And I did just that thing this this past Thursday, I should say. I announced the location, the destination for our new springtime garden trip, which I think is going to be more fun and totally, totally, totally different from anything I've ever done before. We're going to Cambodia and Vietnam. And I had some hesitation. I mean, quite frankly, I had some hesitation about deciding whether I wanted to go or not. But I have been thinking about this for at least two or three years, thinking about all the years of watching the news in the 1960s when we had the the big conflict in Vietnam, thinking, it is so green over there. Why are these people fighting with us? Why are we fighting with each other? And I certainly was aware of what was going on politically during that time. And then over the next 20, 30 years, Vietnam has changed from our national enemy to a valued trading partner. How did they do that? Why are we doing this with them? What is there about their culture that makes it sort of interesting and fascinating to see? And so I decided finally, my travel company that I work with said we can rent a big riverboat, one of these luxurious riverboats that goes down the Mekong River. And we can visit temples, we can visit jungles, we can visit gardens, we can visit all the cultural things of that part of Southeast Asia. And if you can get people to go, we'll go. So I announced it first to my alumni, people who have been on trips with me before. And we had 18 people sign up, boom, just like that. We can take about 30, I think, 31 or two. And so then I announced it in the newsletter this past Thursday. Another four people have joined just in the last two or three days. So if you would like to go with me to Vietnam, to Cambodia, this will be in the spring of 2019, go on my website, type the word Cambodia. That's all you have to do. Type the word Cambodia. There's the details there or my travel company, earthboundexpeditions.com. Either place will give you the details, and it will be a real treat to go and see a place that I've never even considered that I might go. My friend Gene, I have been to Bremen, Georgia, and my friend Gene lives in Bremen, Georgia. Hey, Gene, welcome to Lawn and Garden. Good morning. Good morning, Gene. How can I help? We've got several small, they're about two and a half, three foot tall, of maple trees yeah. we're raising, and they've got this long thing at the top. Should we trim that wait, off? Wait, wait, this thing? What do you mean thing? Uh, what are you talking you about, You grow, like, a long... Long branch, got, long trunk, long growth up there? Uh, a new growth, uh, just oh. one stalk. It's way above the other you right. know, grow. Is it sort of flopping over to the side? No, it's standing up straight, but it just looks so funny. Are leave it alone. To... No, you're supposed to leave it alone. Even though it looks weird, and I've seen this before on maples most likely because they're one of those fast-growing trees that some, 
Sometimes the top gets beyond the yes. <laughs> top gets beyond the bottom, sort of. Yeah. But even though it looks sort of weird, Gene, as long as it's not flopping over, you can leave it standing straight up, and it will develop leaves and limbs, and it'll become a nice, nicely formed maple tree. The only no. thing that I would look for is if at the top two of them come at the same point and make a V at the top of the maple. One of them has to go. You can't have co-dominant trunks at the top of the tree, so one has to be pruned out. Or if it starts flopping over, then you cut the top uh, just enough to take the weight off of it so it stands back straight again. You don't want it to flop over and become a permanent crook in the top of the tree. Beyond that, leave it alone. Okay, thank you. We was really concerned about it because it looks so fun. <laughs> I understand. It's <laughs> going to look fine. If you see a problem, call me back, but I believe right now we'll just leave where it is. Thank you so much. Great, Gene. Good talking to you. We'll see you soon. We've got Susan in Snellville, Georgia. Susan, hey, good morning. Hi, good morning. Um, really hope you can help me with this. Sure. I have a hornet's nest in my backyard. Mm-hmm. My lawn people found it by accident. Ooh, by accident, meaning somebody got stung. And somebody I get stung I'm not or about what? to get near that because oh, I'm oh, oh, yeah. years old and I have back and ailments like a lot of people, I'm sure. Right, right. So, so I don't know how to get rid of it. How far is it above the ground, or where is it hanging, Susan? Um, I have a real, real old building. It's in between a ladder I have propped up against the building. Huh. Right. So. So. Um, how far? Said I'm not gonna. <laughs> I'm not about to get near it. Yeah. So is it twice as high as you is you are tall, or is it? Uh, it's about. I'm five feet. It's. Mm, I guess about four feet or more off the ground. Okay. So it's pretty close to the ground then, really. Um, well, you're saying I'm pretty close to the ground. Well, I didn't say that, Susan. But no, you... I'm just joking. So the nest, is is it near a place that you walk commonly? And there's a reason for me asking these questions. Do you walk past it? Sounds like you do because you've got the ladder there. You've got the building. Sounds like you walk past it sometimes, right? No, the ladder has been that way a long time. Um, <laughs> my lawn people were weed eating there. Yeah. But I think it's been there a long time, as big as it is. Do you see hornets coming in and out of it? Yeah, there's a pretty large hole at the bottom of it. Okay, if you see hornets going in and out, that's an active nest. But that nest for hornets, Susan, are only one year old. That nest started this past spring and has developed to that size you see now only in the last two or three months. So it's not one that was there last year or the year before. Okay. Uh, they grow pretty big pretty quick because those hornets are out there making space for their babies, laying more eggs, having more workers, and making the nest big. Now, if you had tell, told me this is way up high underneath the eaves of an old barn and it's 30 feet, 20 feet maybe high up under the eaves of the barn, I would say leave it alone because they're going to leave you alone. And even though you don't think of a hornet as being very beneficial, they are really beneficial to a garden because they eat caterpillars, they eat aphids, they eat lots of soft-bodied insects that eat the, the ornamental flowers and vegetables you might have and your neighbors might have in their garden. So in some circumstances, I say, leave them alone. They're not going to do any harm to you if they're way above you and far away from places that you or the kids or the pets or anybody uh, walk around. But if this is near to you, if it's within 10 feet, it would be my, my cutoff point here, Susan. If it's within 10 feet of your head, it needs to come down. It okay. needs to be killed anyway. And the best way to do it I know you say you don't want to do it, but 
get somebody who's sort of quick on their feet <laughs> to go out there with a aerosol, you know, wasp and hornet spray. Most of the aerosol sprays are made so that they shoot a good, strong stream for at least five or six feet, maybe 10 feet. And so if they go out in the evening at dusk, when the hornets are all in the nest, they don't fly around after dark. And at dusk, your eyes are much better than theirs. You can see sort of where the nest is. You can see where the hole is. So just take a wasp and hornet spray, reach up high and spray it. And it does not take much. You don't empty the whole can in the nest. You just spray like that to wet the, end, the entrance of the nest. And come out the next morning, there'll be about 40 of them all on the ground underneath it, motionless or dead. And you may see a little bit of activity during that day as the ones that are way back in the back of the nest come in and out, but they'll get poisoned by the stuff at the entrance to the nest. They'll drop out and die. And after about a week, you probably won't see any activity at all. And then it's safe to come close by the weed whack to do whatever you want to the nest is dead. Okay. Um, I don't know anybody that can run that fast. So my lawn person, he said that they chased him. Fifteen-year-old boys all the way or into my other neighbor's yard. He had to jump a fence. Uh huh. I'm uh, sure, Susan. There's somebody around who's a little bit lighter on their feet. Some teenager, some twenty-year-old, some handsome kid from the church or someplace like that. You can find somebody. Just say, could you come over to my house and do something for me tomorrow evening? I'll give you a glass of iced tea and a ham sandwich, if you will. <laughs> come over and spray these hornets for me. All right. All right. Thank you very much. And just remember that they're not, generally speaking, they're not very aggressive, but anywhere that are closer than 10 feet, I think they need to go. In fact, this past year, past uh, week, Susan, um, my kid next door, I told this earlier in the show this morning, the kid that was mowing my lawn got stung by yellow jackets, and I found the nest for them. It was in the lawn, in the back of the lawn, where we're going to be mowing the rest of the summer. And I don't want yellow jackets anywhere near somebody's mowing. And so I went and put, because it's on the ground, I could put seven dust, insecticide dust on it, and that killed them very readily. So end of story with the yellow jackets. And if you do what I say, then the end of the story with the hornets as well. Yeah, I've also got a yellow, nest, yellow jacket nest, but that my lawn person got stung with. Yeah. I had to go to the hospital. Well, that little can of wasp and hornet spray, same deal. Don't empty the can in there. Just go find the hole to open up the, to put the insecticide in the entrance to the hole, and that's the end of that story. So seven dust to work on the um, sure. yellow jackets? Yeah, but how are you going to get it up above your head? That's the problem with, the, with hornets uh, is you can't get it above your head. With yellow jackets, it works great. Yeah, because it's right on the ground. Just drop it up. Put about a tablespoon, I guess, of dust in the in So the, the spray for the hornet's nest and seven dust for the yellow jacket. It'll work great. Okay. All right. Thank you very much. Oh, thanks for calling, Susan. It's great talking to you. 404-872-0750 is our number. 404-872-0750 to take Susan's place. We'll be right back after this. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellish weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves, the lawn and garden advice you need. Jason, some days I am so grateful for you. You really, really make me smile on a Saturday morning. 
The quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. Today, high of 92 degrees, mostly sunny, low overnight 68. Sunday, mix of clouds and suns, high of 92, low of 71. Your full weekend forecast and more gardening music comes up in just 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Carol is in Marietta and joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Carol, good morning. Good morning. Hi. Um, hey, I've got some uh, gladiolus that I found accidentally in a in a bag of uh, bulbs that somebody gave me of something else. Sure. And so I love them. They're beautiful, yeah, but they, they all fall over. Is, am I not planting <laughs> them right? Or... <laughs> Is there? Is it's just what the way it's going to be, and I need to just stake them up, or yeah, everybody who's ever grown glad says, "How do I get these things from flopping over? They flop over every time I grow the things." I'm sure if you plant them just a little bit deeper, or perhaps put them next to a chain link fence, which my friend Barbara does, she has a row. It's easily 25 feet long, Carol, and it's all against the chain link fence. And when they start flopping, she'll take a little piece of you know thread or string or something to tie them to the fence. They stand up great, look fine, everybody's happy for hers. But if you're out in the middle of nowhere, where well, in the middle of your garden, where they don't have anything to stand up on, yeah, they flop over. I don't know of a way to make them not flop over. You don't fertilize them a lot because the fertilization makes it more limber and loose, you know. But I don't have a great technique for you other than buy a bunch of little bamboo stakes or cut some privet hedge. It's a great use for privet hedge cuttings. You can just cut those into two or three foot long links and stick them in the ground and tie them up to it or somehow attach the mm. two to each other. Okay. Um, so when you said plant them a little deeper, what do you, how deep are they supposed to be planted? Generally, you'd put them about an inch. I can put them down to two inches in well-drained soil and they'll be fine. So at two inches, you get a little more anchoring down at the bottom of the, of the uh, bulb. Don't flop quite as much, but I will confess that I haven't found the foolproof answer on this. I'm sure there's some varieties that are probably shorter and don't flop as bad as the tall ones do, but I haven't done that much exploration to see which ones are better and which ones not. I just stake mine up. When I have a yeah. stake them up, put a little stick beside them. Well, I wonder if there's some way you could just get little short fencing and stick that kind yeah, of around sure. them. Oh, and yeah, yeah, yeah. Somebody yeah. would just lean against them. Anything that sort of holds them up, yeah. Anything that you can think that didn't look too obnoxious, maybe paint it green, you know, so it blends in with everything else, sure. I think you do yeah. lots of different ways of doing things with the glads. Okay, well, I'll give that a try next year then. <laughs> All right, then. <laughs> Live and learn, Carol. Thanks for calling. Thank you. We'll see you Bye. soon. In the next half hour, John and Alfredo wants to know how to replace the cypresses that are leaning over. Jason wants to know why his pear trees are so tall he can't even reach the fruit. Alan Kent wants to get rid of poison ivy with bleach. We'll have white poison ivy warning. We'll talk about that with that and with you, perhaps 404-872-0750. We'll be back after news. It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. It's 7.36 on a Saturday morning. This is Lawn and Garden. I'm Walter Reeves with Georgia Gardener. I'm here to help you be more successful. Doing whatever you want to do in the garden, all you have to do is call 404-872-0750. John is out in Alpharetta. joins us on Lawn and Garden. Oh, hey, John. Hi, hi, Walter. How are you doing this morning? Doing great, John. What can I do for you? I, um, I have some cypress trees that have grown too tall because originally they were 
planted as a as that to be a, like a privacy fence. Sure. And they they have grown so tall they are like exceeded two story building. Oh, that's big. So so um, uh, what I'm thinking is uh, uh, maybe I can have them cut you know from the top. Sure. Yeah. Or, or totally get them you know it's removed. What would be a good replacement? Do you want to remove them, John, or do you want to just cut them down to a smaller size? Um, I mean, these three are these three. There are like four of them on the sides, and they are huge. I don't know if uh, yeah. if I cut them, it'll if it'll, 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 it'll if it'll act as a you know give me some privacy in my backyard. If you want to cut the tops out of a Leland cypress, John, they can be pruned. The tops can be cut down from. 20 feet tall, down to 15, down to 12, down to whatever size seems right for you. And as long as you don't mind calling on a ladder to get up there and cut out the tops every couple of years from now on, then you could just keep the, the cypresses where they are if they continue to give you privacy on the level that you like it, down lower where you originally wanted them to grow. There, If you want to pull them out and replace them, that's okay. Um, and just you can cut them off at the base. I don't know if pulling them out is a great idea. Sometimes it gets into roots, get into foundation walls and things like that. But you can cut them down, certainly, and remove them and put another plant in there. How tall do you want the privacy plants to be, John? Okay, the, the fence itself is, is six feet, and the, okay. these trees are about, uh, I would say, about 25 feet. Yeah, so you, so you only need something six to eight feet tall, maybe? Oh, now, um, uh, there's one more thing that I have noticed on them, that in the center of the tree, yeah. there are some brown limbs. Do you uh, think that, that that's an indication that they're, they're dying? Because it's not dying necessarily. They, they have common diseases that Leland cypresses get, one of which is interior of the Leland cypress gets really brown, lots of brown dead needles in the center. If yeah. you have a, <clears throat> a reasonably good year, like this year has been a good year for Leland cypress, it hasn't gotten really dry during the summer. And so on a good year, many times those brown needles will fall out and the tree will continue to grow. It won't show any damage particularly long term. If we had a bad year that was really, really dry or one that was just rainy all through the summer and t kept the needles wet all the time, then sometimes the leaf cypress continues to, to deteriorate. So do you want to keep the one you have or do you want to replace it with something else? Do they have miniature cypress trees? <laughs> they have smaller evergreen trees that are cypress. How about that? Okay. The, the one I'm thinking about is the arborvitae. is a very common plant. Arborvitae is a very common shrub. And one in particular is used by a lot of people. It doesn't get quite as tall as the Leland cypress by, well, by several feet. It's called emerald green. And you can buy arborvitae, emerald green arborvitae at any nursery. Pike certainly has a bunch of them there to sell to you. And um, another one, there are several hollies that can be put in there. They're not too bad. There's a dwarf Burford holly. There's um, I'm trying to think of another evergreen that might be good for you. Even oh. Nandina is a possibility, but maybe that's a little bit too invasive for some people. If you want to go see another list, John, gosh, I've got a list of probably 40 different screening plants that are evergreen. There's some are deciduous, um, some are wide, some are narrow, some are tall, some are short. If you go to my website, John, at WalterReeves.com, and just type the word screening, that's all you have to do, screening in the search line, it'll take you to the page that lists all of the trees that I can think of that make good screening choices for some situations, and try that. And if you find one there that seems to fit you better than the Leland Cypresses do now, then take them out, put something else there.
All right. Thank you so much. It's great talking to you, John. Thanks for calling. Same here. Bye-bye. We've got, let's see, comes next here. We've got uh, Jason in Douglasville. Hey, Jason, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. So your pear trees are really, really tall, just like the little cypresses were for previous well, calls. Well, I don't, know if I don't know if they're quite that tall, but it is a similar question. Yeah. They're about 35 to 40 feet tall, yeah. and I'd say they're less than six inches in diameter. Ooh, wow, and skinny. Yeah, go ahead. So uh, they're, they're tall, and I can reach a few of them. But, you know, most of them are just way too tall to reach. And I was wondering if I, if I could top them, and when is a good time to do that, and how much can I top them at a time, and would that uh, cause them to grow out uh, lower toward the side so uh, we could uh, maybe reach some pears? No, it won't. <laughs> there's, there's the hard answer for you, Jason. Ouch. If you top the top of the tree, let's say the lowest limb on the tree that you can pick a few pears from is five feet, six feet maybe from the ground. If you top the tree at 10, 12, whatever you think is appropriate for your shape and size you want, the effect of pruning is going to be the new limbs, new branches, new leaves, and things will come out within about a foot of where you make your cut, not four or five feet down to where it's lower on the ground where you can reach the pears to harvest them because, A, there's no sunshine down there because it's shaded by the top of the tree, and B, because the hormones that are causing new growth after a pruning cut just don't go that far. They only go about six to 12 inches away from the from the cut. So you are going to be faced, I think, Jason, with either getting a permanent ladder or or getting a fruit picker on a pole. I see they have fruit pickers, you know, Jason, on poles that are six or eight feet long, and there's just a little hook and a basket on the end of them. You might consider getting a fruit okay. picker. They're only about oh, $15, $20, maybe. You get them online, get them at nursery sometimes, too. Okay, I'll, I'll look into that. And But it's not the kind of situation where I could prune, you know, five feet a year until it got down to where I could reach it. You can do all you want to, pruning it down five feet a year, but it's still not going to make lower limbs come out below where you have them now, no. Well, I guess, I guess what I'm saying is if I got something at 12, you know, 15 feet tall, yeah. uh, then the limbs would come out there at 15 feet yeah. and, and produce pairs. And you could reach that with a picker or a ladder. Yeah, that would be fine. Yeah. You could do that, sure. So I could, how much could I prune, could I top per year safely? I think you're about right at four to five, four to five feet. It did take a couple what, of years to get down to where you want it to be. Yeah. What, what's what's the uh, best um, time to do that? The coldest day in January where you don't want to get outside and do okay. anything. Right. Uh, okay, I'll give you the sunniest day in January where it's still only about 30, 35 degrees outside. That's a great day. Okay. And then uh, I remember one of the problems with these pear trees the, uh, the squirrels get most of them. Yeah, really. The squirrels are getting all yeah. of them that you have, so why are you worried about picking pears when the squirrels get all yeah. of them? Go ahead. Well, well, you know, I can't beat them to them if I can't reach them. Right. That's true. True enough. <laughs> and, you know, pears will ripen a little bit further on the counter in the house, and so if you've got a pear with just a little bit of yellow on the bottom and you uh -huh. pick it, what it seems to be a little bit early for you, you can still ripen mm -hmm. them indoors. I was going to do that, but a lot of them seem to be falling off prematurely. Don't know what's going on there. It could be water. I don't know what that what that's about. No. Okay. All right. All right. Well, well, I will try some of those things. All right. Tell them, hey, in Douglasville, for me. Tell them, hey, Jason. Hi. Right. Appreciate it. Thanks for calling. We've got uh, Alan joins us. Hey, Alan. Good morning. Hey. Good morning. Hey. What's going on with the poison ivy? Um, I was a very severe allergy to poison ivy. Oh yeah. And uh, a friend of mine told me 
the best way to do it is to, to cut down most of the poison ivy to the ground and then put on straight bleach. Oh. Would that be correct? I'm going to lift my right leg up right now and scratch the poison ivy that I have on my leg yeah. this very minute here in the studio. Oh, oh. that feels good. <laughs> um, no, bleach is not nearly as good. It's just a regular, you know, brush be gone or, or Roundup or okay. one of the other synthetic herbicides. They kill it dead, and uh, that's what I do. In fact, I was out the day before yesterday spraying poison ivy, English ivy, some wisteria back in the back corner that I sprayed. Oh, I got all sorts of things sprayed with Roundup two or three days ago. <laughs> so I had to read the label. Yeah, read the label, but I don't think there's any reason in the world to use bleach rather than one of them. The, the bleach is not nearly as effective as the herbicides that are manufactured for that purpose. Okay, and one more question. Yeah. Um, the best the best uh, way to take care of our termites, what's the best um, insecticide to take care of that? Of, what of, would you recommend? Of termites, did you say? Yes. Is yes. they in the house, or, or where are the termites located? Where do you see uh, them? The, the termites are in the house, uh -huh. and I, I'm my house backs up to um, the woods, and there's a lot of dead wood in, in, the, uh, in the backyard. So, wow. Um, yeah. You can't get rid of termites in the backyard. It's just impossible yeah. with nature, right. the way nature works. So if your house is protected by a commercial company, I don't want anybody to do it to themselves. But if you have a commercial company with one of the bait station systems or drenching around the house and trench and injecting with um, insecticide in the soil, either one of those can work fine. So use okay. that around the house to protect your valuables, but then for the branches and wood piles and you know things in the in the woods behind the house let the termites have them that's what termites are for is to break down wood fiber and to turn it into compost and recycle it into nature so i don't wouldn't worry about them at all as long as your house is protected you're fine i, I just thought you'd recommend a certain brand or a certain kind no. of no either one no all the things that are advertised the bait stations or the injections either one if applied properly and monitored can do just fine 100 okay. percent. All, right. all right great talking to you alan thanks for calling Let's see if we can get one more person in here. I bet we could get uh, Jay. Jay and Roswell, join us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Walter. Hey, um, Jay. I have a problem with those uh, big trees around my driveway. Yeah. They destroy my driveway, the roots. So I just want to have close from the tree. I can cut the roots without damaging the tree. Ooh, Jay, 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 Jay. You have to be very, very careful cutting the roots of a tree because those roots are important. Number one, they absorb the moisture and the nutrients, which you already know. But Jay, roots are really the good thing, or the main thing that anchors a tree to the ground. And you don't want that tree falling on the house or in your car or your neighbor's <laughs> house either. So I can't tell you on the radio how close or how far away because I'm not there to look at it. You should hire a certified arborist, somebody who is trained to do just exactly what you need come and advise uh -huh. and say you can cut the root here or you wouldn't cut this root, it's just too close to the tree, you'll have to do something else. They would have solutions to the problem that I might not be able to, to think about. But an ISA certified arborist, there are plenty of them around town. If you want to go to a website where all of them advertise, it's called georgiaarborist.org. Okay. That's the website for all the arborists in Atlanta. georgiaarborist.org. Okay. All right, thank you so much. Al. All right, Jay, thanks for calling. It's 748 at News Talk WSB. We'll be back after this. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellish weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves, the lawn and garden advice you need. 
I love this band. What is this band? This is the 5678. They're a nice Japanese all female trio that play like beach, doo wop, rockabilly. Lots of covers. I can sing. I could be in this band. I surely could. They're All right, fun. here's a quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. Today, a high of 92 degrees this afternoon. It's going to be hot, low of 68 overnight. Sunday, a mix of sun and clouds, high of 92, low of 71. Your full weekend forecast comes within 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Don't forget, tomorrow, Sunday, get your Atlanta Journal-Constitution Sunday edition summarizing all the news from the previous week, getting to read the political analysis, Jim Galloway, Greg Bluestein. And wow, there's been a lot of political analysis to be done during this past week. Of course, you had the runoffs that uh, finally had an answer who's going to be the Republican candidate for governor. And now we get to see the Republicans and the Democrat fight with each other for another couple of months. you got the various uh, things going on down in City Hall. Good summary of that will be in the Sunday paper. I love getting my Sunday Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Hope you will, too. Pick it up or subscribe. Either way, the Atlanta Journal-Constitution is compelling. It is complete, and it is Incredible. Todd in Atlanta, join us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Todd, good morning. How you doing? Hey, Todd. Um, I had a question about uh, blueberry bushes. Talk to me. Hello? Yeah, here you go, Todd. uh, When should I prune them, and is it beneficial to prune them? Uh, It depends. Why do you think you should? What's what's going on Uh, with them? They're getting too tall, and uh, I just wanted, wanted wanted to keep them a little shorter. So you're not um, like Jason, you don't, have, you don't have one 70 feet tall that you can't pick the blueberries from. <laughs> it's not quite that no, big, right? It's up to about six feet. Oh, what's wrong with that? How tall are you? Come on. Uh, <laughs> well, I just I was just curious. I, uh, I would like to keep them closer to the ground to make them easier to net. It, okay, now see, now we have a reason for cutting them to get them closer to the ground. Netting is important, and you can't net, a, well, you can, but it's hard as heck to do it when you have an eight-foot-tall blueberry. So, yeah, keep them down to where you can physically put the net over the top and manage that makes plenty of good sense to me. And the answer about pruning is you can do it any time after harvest. So as long as you're finished picking blueberries, then from now until February of next year, I think it would be fine to prune. As a matter of fact, Todd, the way to do it is easy to understand. I think if you go out and look at your bush, you'll notice there are several stems coming out of the ground, probably three, maybe four or five even. And at least one of those is going to be evidently the oldest one. It'll just look old. The bark will be sort of big and cracked and peeling a little bit. And it's the oldest Mm -hmm. one that you take out because that is one that's least productive, whereas the newer stems coming out of the ground. Otherwise, it have more blueberries, more blooms on them every year. So the one that's the tallest one and oldest one is the one to be taken out. And usually, I'd prune it down to three feet tall, something like that. And usually, you'll get new growth at the top of it that'll be at three, four, maybe five feet tall, but still plenty close to the ground, able to put the net over the top. Okay. Thank you very All much. All right. Nothing to it. This afternoon or any time between now and February, Prune the blueberries, that would be just fine with me. 
James and Cumming has apple limbs that are hanging too low. Mike and McDonough has, wants to know the cover crop for his vegetable beds. Rick and Monroe needs some advice on calla lilies. Thomas and Logoville needs advice on his Japanese maple. The number 404 872 0750.